Are you ready? This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. Welcome to the first installment of MTR Behind the Mic. I'm going to be joined this evening by Michael Manna, host of the T4 Show. You can check it out every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern on T4Show.com. For those of you not familiar with the T4 Show, Mike covers tech, gaming, comics. Uh, He also covers new hardware. He does a lot of unboxing videos. He has a ton to offer from a really unique perspective and like i said you can get that every wednesday at 9 p.m eastern and um let's start off with of course michael manna tell us a little bit about the t4 show how it came to fruition well i just uh you know first of all rich want to thank you for having me on the show tonight and uh, everybody listening thank you for taking time uh to listen to the show and uh you know the t4 show uh which stands for tech today tech tomorrow is basically everything in technology, like you said, gaming, uh, computer hardware, software, tutorials. Just I couldn't nail it down to I love Macs. I love video games. I love uh, mobile technology. I love consumer electronics, surround sound systems, TVs. So I just decided uh, Tech Today, Tech Tomorrow to cover everything will give me a, uh, a plethora of content for the rest of my life, but now including also, uh, fitness stuff, fitness tutorials, fitness Q and A's, uh, things like that. And, uh, you know, it, it's become its own, I guess, network in a way, but I don't want to jump the shark with, with a million different types of shows. So we just kind of, uh, give a potpourri of hopefully something that everybody can like. Well, one of the, one of the things that really separates you from so many other tech uh, blogs and tech podcasts out there is the fact that you use a really unique format in terms of your broadcast presentation. You do it with, uh, with comb and you guys simulcast with two computers using a, a really great system, which, you know, I did my homework on, which is Wirecast. And I wanted to ask, how did you come to the conclusion to do that type of a format versus a traditional audio or a, t- a traditional video podcast? Well, you know, we, you know, Colm and I came together as as co-host of the show. It was my show since January 2007. But you you know, doing the show that you're doing, uh, you're probably not at the end game of what you want to do. We never quite are with technology; it's always moving so quickly. So, uh, you know, Wirecast seemed at that time to be the next logical step. Although it was a very expensive one, uh, I think it's paid off in dividends. It's given us the uh, broadcast-style television show that we, we hoped we could have. And for people that don't know what Wirecast is, basically it's the closest thing you can have to having your own TV studio for the Mac or Windows. I, I prefer the Mac, though, because they've really uh, made the Mac, in my opinion, a much better version of the uh, Wirecast software. It does cost $449, very expensive piece of software, but you get un- unlimited shots. You can present stuff from... 
your your desktop with the web showing web pages. If, you, if you're familiar with uh, Rich uh, This Week in Tech with Leo Laporte and all the shows that they do, they use a $15,000 TriCaster. So the $449 Wirecast to, to simulate what the TriCaster does and then add on, and this might be a little bit of uh, over some people's heads, there's a Korg controller, Korg with a K, with a K that's $48 and basically is my hardware switcher for the shots. And it works very good. I can start my recordings. I can play. So I don't have to mess around with my uh, my iPad, my, my IMAX uh, Magic Trackpad. It's a mouthful right there. I don't have to mess around and try to find the shots. I can just hit one, two, two, two. There's there's all these different buttons on here for 48 bucks. So essentially for $500, you get a $15,000 uh, setup and that does the same thing. Well, when one of the things and you know just to just to jump off of it uh one second for those of you unfamiliar with with michael in general you've probably seen michael before uh, michael also was a professional wrestler but his passion is technology and also fitness which caught me by surprise only because you know i'm watching all of your blogs and stuff and then i start seeing more of the fitness stuff which also jumps out to me because you know, I'm a I'm in the gym a lot as well, using all these different techniques. So it's just a a great blend of stuff. And the other thing I wanted to ask, when you're doing the fitness stuff, what prompted you to incorporate that into T4? Well, I am I haven't retired yet, Rich. I I still do wrestle uh, whenever given the opportunity. And actually, I'm going to start commentating for Lucha Libre USA uh, at the TV tapings this. Uh, this weekend, so you can catch that on MTV too. Uh, and I still am an active wrestler. It's just right now, I have stuff spread out all over the place with the, like you said, the tech, the fitness, other other endeavors too. Uh, with the fitness, though, I I was trying to find uh, if there was going to be a fit within T4 show, or if I should create a brand new channel and brand on its own for the fitness. And I decided to include it in the T4 show uh, banner just because. There's such a base. I already communicate with all these people in the audience because they know that I work out if they follow me on Twitter at Michael Mana and and the Facebook stuff that I put up. I I always had this thing, and you probably do the same thing. This is stuff, the stuff you see up on YouTube, Facebook, the stuff you see uh, on our podcast, on our live show, and, and listen to on the podcast. It's normally stuff that I just do throughout the day. The only difference is now I'm actually – documenting it. I'm not now actually recording it with audio and video. And that's really where the fitness is. I work out every day, sometimes twice a day. And why not pass some of the knowledge on that I've been uh, given from other people or some of the things that I've learned over the years of training. So it's, you know, it just, I don't know if it's a natural fit to T4 show, but it's different than any art tech site out there. So that, that hopefully gives me an advantage. Well, it also, it also helps people get a view and a glimpse into your day to day, which is always good to see because too often so many people watch, you know, these vidcasts, these podcasts, and then they end up meeting the hosts and are are just surprised that the person is so much different than the voice that that, that they hear on a week to week basis. So I think it's really good giving a glimpse of your life like that. And plus you're educating your your listeners that may want to get into fitness in some shape or form. So I gotta commend you for that. Well, thank you. You know what's funny is tech and fitness sort of uh, have a lot of similarities, especially with the people 
that are in charge of uh, training the people that are the consumers that are the novices. The people are, you know, there's no difference between the experts and the novices. It's just a matter of practice and experience. So you, anybody can become an enthusiast or an expert in something if they just practice enough and they, they really have a passion for it. But anyway, the tech and fitness, basically the people, personal trainers, and a lot of these people who run these tech sites and, and do these videos and the people you met at the comic cons and the tech conventions, same as me. Uh, when you talk to them, it's almost like they try to go out of their way to be condescending, talk down to you, intimidate you, and almost try to make themselves feel smarter and more knowledgeable about fitness and tech than you are. And that's some approach hopefully that you take. And that's the approach I take with T4 show is to give a consumer's perspective to, to make it stupidly easy for everybody else. I'll do all the hard work and I'll try to explain it and make everything easy for everybody else that can do it. And I hope that that's something that I, that I convey to everybody. That's much like if you watch the unboxing videos, I get a lot of uh, slack about that or flack, I should say, about the unboxing videos because I do them live just like any guy would come home from Best Buy, not read the instructions, and just try stuff out. That's my unboxings. That's the way they go, and that's what makes them different. Well, you know, one one thing that it, that's one thing I like, you know, it's the live approach to it. And I, I'm guilty of it. I come home, I start pressing buttons, the manual gets tossed to the side. And then at some point, you know, you get stuck and then you jump back into the manual. But that that fresh smell of of new gear that you open up, that enthusiasm comes out in your videos more often than not. I hear in a lot of unboxing videos it's like, hey, this is so-and-so, and, -so, and um, I'm unboxing this camera, and it's already opened already, and they kind of got a little script laid out. You have just more of a natural delivery to it, which shows that it's, you know, just a real event going on, which I like. You know, it's a, it's a breath of fresh air because it's not canned. Well, thanks. You know, it's something I've done lately, too. I, I, I don't like unboxing videos. I mean, they're not my favorite thing to do. For some reason, they have a cult following of someone. I, there's one YouTuber that will... He unboxed uh, iLife 11, and he got 75,000 views and like a thousand comments. And I did, I unboxed it. I didn't unbox it, but I, but I did a tutorial on each thing to, to get people started with each aspect of iLife 11. And I got like 800 views, which is fine because it's 800 people that uh, com communicated and interacted, and their quality views. Uh, but that's that's kind of weird. So with the unboxing videos, Rich, I try to not only unbox it but show a setup, show a test of what I do. So like the first thing that I try, just like you said, you open it up, you turn it on, and you try to do something with it. That's what I did. Much like this, the, the most recent videos, the Zoom uh, H4n. I'm going to use it as a portable mixer for on-location shows as well as uh, another thing I don't know if you're interested in, but you know, possibly go on some ghost hunts and do some EVP work and some paranormal stuff with all this great tech equipment that I happen to own. Well, you know, it's funny because I watched that Zoom H4n because when I did the Comic-Con this weekend, I had the possibility to the, to interview somebody, and the guy's like, oh, did you bring your gear with you? And I'm like, no, you know, I brought my camera, and I can take some video and stuff. But then I started researching portable players and things like that to broadcast on the go, and then uh, as funny as it may be, I look, and I'm like, oh, he has a, a, a pretty handy piece of tech there. So I actually was watching it, and it's something that I may actually consider picking up because I was just going to consider picking up, you know, a regular flash-based recorder. But this has so many more levels of depth to, to the 
to your content that I said, damn, this this may be an investment that's worth making just based on the way you presented it on the video. Yeah, this is something that's uh, I think you know, being an it can be shot. I have shotgun mics, boom mics, and all that stuff to attach to my cameras, and also using it as a USB audio interface. But I think what if you have an iPhone four, which if you do. I would try the iRig mic out because when I go to conventions and places, I'm going to leave my camera equipment at home and bring the iRig mic, which is $60, connected to my iPhone 4, do video interviews, and there's an application where you can actually record a podcast and actually edit it, enhance it, level it, and then export it. And if you have a Dropbox account, you can integrate that with your Lipson account, and it'll have your podcast straight up to the uh, – to iTunes as well as the video straight up to YouTube off the iPhone 4. Damn, that's pretty amazing. I was the way I had actually set it up. See, you you just blew my mind with that because I thought you were still using Android, but now I know that you're using also an iPhone because my original intention was, you know, taking an iPad, using the camera connector and plugging in. I use a Yeti Pro mic here at home. Yeah. I was going to do that, but then I said, "Oh man, to carry that big mic around, but it, the, the iRig sounds like a like a, a a thousand times better and a lot less cumbersome to carry. Well, you can use the iRig mic with the iPad too as well, and the camera on the iPad too. The only thing is that the HD camera quality off the iPhone four, plus the fact that you can hold it a lot easier, is much easier uh, to deal with than the iPad two. Plus, if you have a three G connection, you can upload right to YouTube. Uh, and you know, I have an unlimited plan, so I'll be uploading YouTube videos. Uh, till, till the pigs come home or whatever the saying is. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different stuff. So between, you know, I was saying it during the live show last night, which is uh, usually Wednesday nights, but it was Tuesday night last night. Uh, you know, between the iPhone 4, the iRig mic, and the Zoom H4n, uh, you can potentially put up a lot of content, audio and video, uh, together. So and that's something you could have really good quality, even if we did a podcast at a Comic-Con with this thing, you could probably have quality on par of what we're doing right here. Well, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you, I've, I, and, you know, the, this just changed my, my realm of questioning. I saw, I saw your unboxing video with the, with the Android phone, so I thought you had completely switched to Android, but I, I should have known better considering how, how, you know, how much of a hardcore Apple supporter you are that you would have an iPhone as well, so... How do you how do you feel playing with with both devices and do you see Android gaining steam on uh, on the Apple platform at this point or is it kind of still in its infancy and growing gradually? No, Android's matured quite a bit and actually in some uh, surveys it's surpassed iOS. That's what the iPhone and the iPad uh, operating systems are. Uh, I do like Android the operating system, and I live in the Google service universe. I dropped mobile me because I'm not going to pay 100 bucks. I'm waiting for it to be free, hopefully. Uh, so I have all Gmail stuff, Google Calendar, Google Docs. I do everything uh, with Google services. So the Android experience is much more seamless than the iOS with uh, Gmail and Calendar. Everything's push. I like the widgets. I like the interface. The notifications on Android is yeah, that kills iOS, but... I look at it this way. Now, you, you seem like a hardware geek, too, as far as mobile technology. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I used to spend a ton of money on unlock phones from Europe, and it used to be five $600 a clip. And that was before I really had made any money in the wrestling business, so it was expensive. Uh, so the iOS, at least, I know there's going to be one iPhone per year, maybe two at the most, but the hardware will be the same. Android 
It just seems like if I got, I have a Nexus S4G right here, great phone for Sprint. But the Evo 3D is coming out in two weeks. Then after that, there's another HTC phone coming out. Then there's uh, the Bionic, the Motorola Bionic. Then there's another, I think there's a follow-up to the Atri. Do you see where we're going now? You, you really are talking about sort of PC and Mac. PC, once you buy something that's obsolete, when you buy Mac, uh, iOS, you know, or Mac, uh, like this iMac I have here, you know you're going to be good for quite a while with the hardware, and that's what scares me about Android. It gets very fragmented that way. Well, that's it was funny because I, you know, I'm a, I'm a T I use T-Mobile and I've been with T-Mobile since they were, you know, OmniPoint. So I've been with them a long time. And um, I got the iPhone originally um, un you know, I unlocked it and I used it. And I just was always very frustrated because it was crippled because you couldn't get the full use out of it. And I refused to go to AT&T. So I had I had the um, the iPhone 2G pretty much for for the last four years. And then I switched, and I got a uh, a Samsung Galaxy S and for on Android, and it was a, a great Android. The transition to Android was was seamless, like you said, with the Google Universe. But the 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 Samsung hardware at that particular time was just abysmal. Like my phone would shut off randomly, or my antenna would lose signal. So now I'm using a uh, an HTC G2. And it's it's really it's really awesome. Like like for me to switch back to, to the iPhone now because I've been hearing it's going to come out on T-Mobile. I may do it, but it's just trying to integrate all that other stuff into iTunes for me, especially all the and you know all the Google stuff. It's going to be a lot harder, so I may not do it just on that principle alone. Well, do you use Double Twist with the Android? I actually use I use Winamp to sync iTunes music. Oh, okay. Uh, the Double Twist works really well as well, and it has wireless sync. So that's one thing missing from uh, from the iPhone and the iPad with iOS with iTunes is you can, you have to use a cable. You have to be tethered to iTunes. So uh, you might want to look into that. I, I tell you what, though, you're talking about whatever storage you have. Uh, there's a um, I don't know if it's for Android. There's an Audio Galaxy um, application that's free for iOS, and you can stream your entire iTunes library. Uh, which I do, and I stream everything video-wise over air video on iOS. So that's that's what keeps me on there, that I have a Drobo FS downstairs that's networked, and that's where all my media is, and my audio video streams to my device. So it doesn't even matter if I have a one-gig iPhone. I pretty much have terabytes of data that I can uh, stream to the uh, the iOS, and Android doesn't have that yet, so that, that holds me off from making the complete switch. Uh, besides the fact the camera on the iPhone 4 cannot be beat, you saw the test videos with that. That, that video I did, the latest fitness video, Rich, was done with an iPhone 4. Most of my gym videos are done with an iPhone 4. What we were talking about with the with the translate with the transition to Android, that's kind of where I've been in regards to getting the most out of it. And I too, much like you, was using Mobile Me, and that 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 hundred bucks was killing me. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 good for it's good for if you have multiple Macs, which I have for a very long time, and now having the iPad, the iPhone, and two Macs, and also I have the iPad two and the iPad one, and I didn't get rid of the the first one. Uh, you know, it might be good for that, but you know what? I sync everything up to Google, so same difference either way. You know, living in the cloud. Have you um, gone into? the the Google apps themselves to use with T4 like you know they have the webmaster tools have you given any thought to to using that stuff as well 
No, I haven't. I'm not familiar with it. I use AdSense, which uh, Google owns YouTube, and I don't understand our algorithm for I have 755 videos up on YouTube, and for some reason, the same exact song that I've been using for about 700 of these videos, they'll every once in a while say, you know, you're rejected for revenue sharing, or we pulled your video because of that opening song on my show, which is a completely royalty-free song named Compromise. Uh, so I haven't really explored anything else because Google is sort of, their algorithm sort of confuses me and sometimes frightens me because I, I feel like they're going to pull my content or drop me completely. So that's a uh, little off subject, but I haven't explored the website builder or put myself in, at the mercy of Google too much. Well, what I ended up doing, and, it, and, it, and it's funny because I was using exclusively, you know, the Gmail stuff also. And then I started reading about webmaster tools because you can have, you know, like you can like you, you have T4 at, at Gmail. You can have, you know, T4 at T4show.com. So I ended up just going that route and using that stuff just so I can have a, a platform for that. And it's actually if you're using it for personal use, it's free and it gives you almost like a almost like a a, um, a corporate email for you for your site so you know you could do like michael at t4show.com and stuff like that and you'll have you know a unified calendar so that was the only reason i started using it and the reason i ask is because you know you get access to all those other tools you know shared documents and stuff like let's say you want to share some stuff with with comb you know you can do things like that so it's it's actually a very interesting service and they're actually allowing you to add ancillary products to it you know like image editors like aviary and stuff like that so I figured I figured I would just pass that on to you because it's it's not bad. I've been using it so far and it's been really good. Oh great! I can you do um, multiple emails through the site? Like can you have call at t four show show dot com Michael at because we have we have you know we're sort of growing. We got a few people, so it's pretty cool. So kid, you you have to have one email associated with that site. Yeah, you can actually do all that. You're um like I have you know we have a couple of writers and and what you do is you go to Google Apps, you set it up. And right now, you know, we have five writers for, for the show, you know, that write on the site. And, you know, it's like myself, my fiance, we all have email accounts. You can share calendars with the people on the Google app. So it, it works well, you know, because once you put your domain in there, you can um, go to your web host and have the email go straight there. And then what I do is I just have that Google apps email archive everything and then just forward it to my Gmail that I use, you know, normally. Nice. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm, I'm looking at it right now, so that's good. Thank you. Yeah, you stuff. You, so you learn everything. You learn something new every day. We don't. I told you, you're never gonna get to the the point where you know everything, and that's the the beauty of tech, but also what scares people. So, but you shouldn't be scared of it. Oh no, absolutely not. I you know it's been a learning curve for me only because you know I do I do our show through the Blog Talk Radio service because I like to do the the live shows. So, you know, I like having people call in and, and, you know, we have a switchboard and, you know, we have one of the guys work the switchboard and it's been good. You know, you have to pay and they've been making some improvements to it. But it's 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 like you were saying, just just growing and, and embracing the tech to make it better. And it, it's not a platform that I'm totally fond of. Like I said, I like the live component. But in, in watching your shows, you've you've given me a lot of inspiration to look at other avenues which is what i've been doing you know wirecast possibly Ustream, and stuff like that and in your case what i had wanted to ask you was in doing the show through audio and Ustream, does wirecast help you set all that stuff up so where you can just broadcast to all these multiple avenues 
Um, we use Justin TV. I don't recommend Ustream. They, it sort of is, uh, the quality has gone down. It's frozen a lot. There's a lot of different issues. Justin TV experiences that sometimes, but, you know, when you get something like that for free, I think the Justin TV, Justin.tv, that's the site you would go to, would be the better choice. Uh, Wirecast doesn't, it doesn't exactly help, uh, but it's definitely the, the basically the tool that gets you to do all that stuff. You're doing everything locally here on, on your uh, computer, but you can also do it an, over an IP address to another computer and capture that stuff. It, it's, it's sort of like Photoshop. If you use Photoshop, the new Wirecast does layers. So when you see on these videos the lower third with my name and then the T4 Show logo, that's a file that goes in. It's on the top part. And then below that, on the hierarchy, is my video. And then below that is actually the mixer audio, the system preferences audio. And I can add and add and add stuff on top of it. So I can have like, you know, five different logos or I can have a number. I can have something, you know, any Photoshop file put on top of that and resize it, tilt it, do anything. It's actually one of those things in itself will take you a while to learn and uh, you know, but 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 for what you get with it, like I said before, four hundred and forty nine dollars compared to TriCaster, ten thousand dollars is the one that's half decent, fifteen thousand dollars is the one that's really good, uh, and then you still have to, you know, implement the software. Uh yeah, I think that Wirecast works a lot better. Uh, you know, of course if you're gonna go with Wirecast, Rich, you gotta maybe up your audio too. Like I'm using a Howl PR40 and it took me a while to get to even this point using a ton of different microphones because if people are familiar with my wrestling career, you know, I've had 19 throat and vocal cord operations. I've had two implants in my vocal cord. So my voice is very unique in a way where I need to get that certain mic. And I think finally after years, I may have found the microphone that, that really uh, amplifies my vocal characteristics the way it should. And then after all that, guess what? If your internet connection sucks that night, nothing matters. If Skype sucks that night, nothing matters. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't matter. You're at the mercy of the internet gods. So everything could be perfect. But then, like last night, we were very Skypey and modulated sometimes. And that was just, it was FaceTime. It had nothing to do with our setup. It's funny that, it's funny you say that because I've had experiences where I did, um, we, I, I played a game called Darksiders. You might be familiar with it. It's um, it's on Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. And uh, the guy who did the artwork for the game was Joe Maduera. He used to do uh, Battle Chasers and a couple of comics for Image. And what happened was I, I was fortunate enough to get the creators on the show on two separate occasions. And the second time I got the creators on, we did three and a half hours of live show. And then Blog Talk Radio archives your show. And when I went to check it, they only had 45 minutes of audio. Of course. Yeah, they lost everything. So I I definitely can relate to being at the at the mercy of of the Internet gods. And I can also relate in terms of finding a mic that gives you natural sound, because I've had that problem as well, because I when I did the earlier shows, I did a headset mic and then I bought my fiance bought me the first Yeti Pro which worked well. And then I said, I need to get a mixer just so I can learn the levels and all that. So now I have the Yeti pro. So I think it captures my, my audio profile the best, much like you were saying, but again, it's a learning curve. And if the web isn't working with you, all the, all the gear is not going to make a, a lick, a lick of worth. 
Yeah, I I would um, say the Yeti Pro works very well for what you need, but sometimes uh, for a voice like mine, that it sounds too tinny. I've used the Blue products before. I've used MXL products, which are great microphones, and those are the ones that I, I have a lot of. We have a working relationship with MXL, uh, but they're condenser microphones, so they bleed. They bring in a lot of sound. So for my voice, I don't have to strain my voice, but at the same time, you hear everything else. This Hall PR40, I'm typing, moving stuff. The the central air is going off. You don't hear any of it, do you? Nope, I don't hear a, I don't hear a peep. That's that's silence. Meanwhile, on my end, you know, I had to shut off my fan, my AC, and I'm and mind you, I'm using the uh, the stereo setup on the Yeti Pro just with me speaking directly to it. But it will pick up the occasional noise, you know. Well, it's to be expected. You get what you pay for, but it's also a great solution for somebody. Here's the path that I recommend. So everybody, I, any, anybody can have their own online radio show. That's what a podcast is. If you got something you like and something you want to talk about, you would basically be able to run a podcast. And there's a lot of services out there like Podbean that do it for free. So go down to your local Best Buy, buy a headset for 10 bucks, 20 bucks, do your own podcast, try it out. And then if you like it, then you go up to the USB microphone, which I recommend. Uh, there's $100 ones out there all over the place. Back when we were starting, and back when I was starting at least, there wasn't. There was only one USB microphone that was worth buying, Rich, and that was the Rode Podcaster. And I used that for over 50 episodes. I highly recommend that if you don't ever want to bother with a mixer. Get the Rode Podcaster, and I don't know if you ever tried that, but that's an excellent USB mic. And then if you want to go to a mixer, I I, I think people should probably go all the way. Get the Hall PR40. It's probably the best dynamic microphone that I've ever used. And, you know, it's a set-in-the-forgetted mic. That's it's funny. I wrote it down because it's like you know ne- you never know when at some point you want to definitely switch microphones. I'm you know I'm running the Yeti Pro through an Alesis uh, USB mixer right now, and I you know f- funny thing is that you um a guy that you follow on Twitter, MediaCast guy. I actually had to talk to him because I was experiencing some audio issues, and I wanted to run it by him only because you know when I do the shows and I want to play sound clips. You know the listening audience hears them a little garbled, so you're you actually inadvertently directed me to somebody else that has actually been very helpful. So uh, again, you know, I gotta I gotta throw a thank you your way for that. A mediacast guy is the guy who told me to just just get the Hal PR40. Five, six, seven people told me that, and then somebody was selling it on Twitter. So I got it for instead of three twenty five, I got it for one hundred and fifty. So I really couldn't pass the deal up. Nope. I still I have to accessorize it with a shock mount and a pop filter, but it, I think it works pretty well right now, and it's great. It's great when um, when you can basically have your own radio show, have your own TV show, and you can do all these things. But also for me, with my vocal issues, uh, podcasting was a therapeutic thing. It was voice therapy. It was something to strengthen my voice and get this implant working and get my muscles in my throat uh, to where they they could uh, I could actually talk without getting a migraine. So it's it, it's been a good, fun thing, but also very uh, medically therapeutic at the same time. Well, I know, I know. I remember when you had come back from, you know, one of your, for, I believe, your first surgeries on, on WWE programming that they had referenced that, you know, your throat had hit the railing. And I don't I don't remember if that was just their description, but was that what happened to to hurt your voice at the time? Uh, that was back in 97. I actually I did the... 
vocal cord was um, was severed. I mean, not severed's not a good word, but basically when they intubated me for my neck fusion, uh, they damaged my vocal cord, uh, and it became paralyzed, so I needed an implant. Then in WWE, I was training Shane McMahon uh, to wrestle Shawn Michaels, and Shane's a big UFC fan, so part of our training was to actually spar like that, and I ended up uh, getting the implant and my airway crushed uh, during a training session with him. So that's when I had to start having the surgeries. Oh, man, that's, uh, you know, but you, you bounce back well because your your voice, you know, like I said, I, I followed your career, you know, from, from ECW all, all the way through and all the different promotions. And, and your voice is pretty much picked up almost to where it was early on in your career. So, you know, you've, you've healed up very well. Oh, thank you. No, that's a, it's a trick. I've learned how to use it and and work it and learn how to use this uh, audio equipment to help me uh, to to do that and and talk to the audio guys when I was with TNA and WWE to try to bring the most out of my voice. I would do a lot of sound checks. There was a lot of work that went into it to make it uh, easy for everybody to to pick up my my voice correctly. Well, one thing I had wanted to ask you, and you know, especially with using podcasting and so many of these other mediums and, and you know this is just a, a to, to touch on the wrestling a bit how do you how does it feel for you to see so much of this new web presence this new social media presence you know just kind of immerse itself into into wrestling culture now every every professional wrestler or at least a good majority of them have have a twitter or a facebook how how integral has that been just to your success as a performer it's. I think it's integral. I think it's a great way to connect with the fans. But I think at the same time, Rich, it, it sort of takes a lot of the mystique away. Remember, you know, the reason why people like the late Randy Savage, uh, even the Hulk Hogan's back then, and other people uh, were considered to be big stars was almost because you couldn't get so close to them. You, you weren't so accessible to them. I mean, think about movie stars in Hollywood. They have Twitter accounts, but it's on a different level. You don't. Uh, you don't get up close and personal with them, and you don't see them doing a whole lot. It's very strategic by them. I, you know, in WWE, I know that they uh, control, in, in a way, the Twitter accounts of their superstars sometimes. Uh, the Facebook pages and the Universe pages are, are definitely under the thumb of WWE, which it should be. I mean, they have to protect their, their brand and their intellectual property. Uh, but, you know, the guys... You know, when I, I here's what I think about Twitter and Facebook. I like posting some positive stuff or some funny stuff or some other stuff that might be a little goofy at times. But I don't understand the people on Facebook and Twitter who actually post. And I'm not talking about superstars or celebrities. I'm talking about regular people that feel the need to tell everybody all about their problems and everything that's going wrong in their life and. Hey, my favorite tweets on in Facebook statuses are when somebody types 140 character or a big long thing on Facebook about how tired they are. <laughs> well, you're so damn tired. You weren't that tired to put out a status update. I agree. I just, I, I just think social media, you, you know, this whole other thing. You're talking about the tech stuff. There's negative people in tech. There's negative people in fitness. And I almost feel like social media is starting and this is a whole discussion within itself. I'd be more than happy to come back and <laughs> dedicate an episode to it. I feel like social media has sort of jumped the shark in a way. Have you have you felt that way? You know, I'll tell you what. When I when I first started doing the show, I did the show in 2006, and I stopped doing it just because real life gets in the way. We all know that. And then with the with the 
with the use of social media, it's become a lot easier to be to get accessible. And 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 it is true. There are times when people use social media to the point where it's sickening, where it's like woke up, had a sandwich, up oh, stuck in the shop with my, and it's like. There's one thing about being social. There's another thing about sharing too much information. I mean, it is therapeutic and it gives you a way to to let out what's going on inside that inner voice. But you know what? Not everybody wants to hear that inner voice. So I do agree that to an extent it's been abused. You know, it's biting a lot of athletes in the ass. It's hurting a lot of people. Um, I was reading an article about divorce rates and how Facebook is a huge, huge factor in divorces now because people end up reconnecting with their, you know, with their long lost loves or their high school sweethearts and, you know, they're married. So I definitely can agree that it is, it is, while it is a wonderful thing, it is hurting a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I just think there's going to be good and bad and everything, but it just seems like uh, that so much of the more of the bad negative stuff, and especially in my business, uh, is noticed more than the positive productive stuff. Like I said before, somebody can post a picture or a video on YouTube of something really mean-spirited and negative. It'll get a million views, but when I show you how to use a device like this iPhone or this Android device or the Zoom H4n, and I really take the time to do it, it's only going to get a few hundred views. Nobody cares. Well, you know what it is, too? It's, the, it's this um, the, the science of SEO is another thing too. It seems that you have to have the right buzzwords and the right things. Like I saw um, a video of that someone took. I, I live here in New York City, and there's a Wendy's not far from my house. And uh, a group of high school girls got into a fight in a, in the Wendy's. A young a young woman that worked at Wendy's went to break up the fight. She got attacked by all the girls. It was videotaped and put on YouTube. It had almost nine hundred thousand views. And it, and it's and it's insane. I'm like I'm like there's 900,000 people that watch that, but like you said, something that's that's genuine that you invest a lot of time into. If you get 150 views and maybe one comment, it's asking a lot. And those people, you know, they put fight and Wendy's and you know, lady gets punched in the face. Like like just that SEO game. It, it's funny that the layman who doesn't do it often has a better grasp of it than us that sit there and 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 do the research into the science that goes into it. Yeah, but that's fine. I mean, that's that's uh, if that's the way it's going to be, no big deal. I like I said before, I just document the stuff that I would do anyway in my own home or the gym or any of the other stuff. So to me, it's just creating content and the you know five hundred thousand or however many people watch or listen to the show or anything. If they get out out of it, what I hope they do, then that's fine. I'd rather have quality over quantity. That's why, you know, on a side note, I ignored the fact that I was a wrestler and I still do with the tech stuff. I don't acknowledge it. I don't really embrace it. And that's that's not because I'm embarrassed. That's because it creates an element of negativity and disruption that I don't want. And I don't want those people to drive the people away that are just coming to really enjoy themselves and learn something. Well, that's you know that's one reason why you know it, I you know, the, the 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 few things from wrestling that I've touched on, especially from the tech side of things, I wanted to discuss it because I've I've met and and spoken to so many different performers, you know, entertainment and otherwise through these social media outlets that it's funny because it's taken something so simple that I did for fun and added an extra element to it. You know, I wouldn't have thought three years ago that I would have spoken to um, Shad Gaspard or I would have spoken to Amazing Red from TNA or I'd be speaking to you 
or I would have spoken to Michael Jai White. You know, it's 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 very strange that the, these outlets have been so helpful in getting that done. So so in a way, I can't I can't knock it too much because it has somewhat contributed to my success. Mark Zuckerberg can get a check off of me. <laughs> I don't think he needs it. No, he definitely doesn't. See, Skype's doing a thing. We just echoed a little bit. So, see, the tech gods are not smiling upon us. Well, I, th- I think it's Microsoft's involvement now that they bought Skype. <laughs> yeah, it's it's automatically about a million times worse, and they haven't even done anything to Skype yet. So, uh, let's hope they don't. Well, I was I was going to ask you about that too, especially you know Skype's uh, uh, acquisition by Microsoft, and so many smaller companies are just getting gobbled up. You know, um, Google has, you know, they took YouTube, they're trying to build their own platforms. How do you feel that's going with some of the stuff that you use day to day? Because when I heard that Microsoft bought Skype, I can honestly tell you I was scared because I was worried that the quality would be would definitely be hurt or that they might try and nickel and dime you on the pay front. You know, how does it feel when certain products that you use get acquired or certain services? I don't think uh, it's not going to affect me because Calm and I use FaceTime. FaceTime, uh, especially we both have new iMacs, so FaceTime uh, HD built into the iMacs gives us better video quality, even though we're not uh, streaming in HD uh, because of audio and video sync issues. Uh, it's, you know, Skype is, I abandoned Skype a while ago because obviously you've heard the term before and everybody who's used Skype has heard the term. It's getting Skypey, which means the audio quality sucks now. It's choppy and it's cutting off and I can't hear you or you're echoing. And I just feel like I'm well past Skype and I haven't even used the new version of Skype before Microsoft, which I heard uh, it, you would think that had something to do with it. I heard it's completely horrible, and you have to pay for it. Uh, Skype for Mac, I should say. Oh, Skype, Skype specifically. For- it's awful. Oh man, that's terrible. I mean, I've been using it. You know, I, I run Windows. I, I actually was using a Mac for a while. I had a, a Mac Mini as part of my home theater, and it, and it was fantastic. You know, I had put Plex on it, and I was running um home uh, running my home theater from it. But then, just the use for the Mac for me disappeared because i had built a a windows machine so i ended up selling it but you during my my time with the with the mac os it was it was fantastic especially once you got the mac os to do what you wanted it it was a marvel it was it was beautiful so i definitely have no i'm not one of those guys that you know beats up on mac or beats up on on windows i i've, I've played with the best of both worlds and, and mac has some really great stuff yeah i'm a big mac fanboy. the reason why i I switched to Mac is because I worked in corporate America with uh, Windows, and I fixed people's machines, and I was the tech uh, support guy for that. So I just got tired of it, and I, I never looked back. I mean, these Macs are just – I tell people, if you want to buy one computer, it's going to last you a very long time. You'll spend a little bit more, but get your money's worth over time and not have anything to worry about. That's That's really what it is. I use the term set it and forget it, but that's really what a Mac is, just pretty much – very easy, streamlined, and fun. I I enjoyed all the creative avenues I had, you know, with um, you know, with Comic Creator and and some of those great things. I have a one of the guys that writes for us, uh, my buddy Josh. He's a huge Mac supporter, and and just like you, he has a Drobo. You know, I use Windows Home Server. He uses Drobo, and and you know, it's funny that in in having a conversation with you now, you know, the parallels of all the stuff that that he uses. You, you're pretty much on that same level. You know, he's he's running a a Mac Pro 
with a with a really large screen and he runs a uh, a fishing tackle store. So all those all the great videos he puts out on YouTube are done through his Mac and I, I get a little jealous and I miss my Mac when I see them. <laughs> yeah, you know what you um you touched on something. I forget what you were gonna say something about Windows. Uh oh goodness, I forgot. But anyway, yeah, I mean the Mac stuff has been very uh I wouldn't be able to do any of the stuff I do unless I, I used iMovie unless I made it very simple. And I know there's Sony Vegas out there, but, the, you know, iMovie is just so streamlined. I'm creating a presentation, a slideshow for the sales rally for Pepsi. And they're they're pretty amazed with it. They're pretty happy with it. But I'm really using very simple applications like iMovie, iDVD, Keynote, uh, other things. And, of course, I'm playing with the media. I have a little tricks to, you know, simulate Final Cut Pro and higher-end uh, applications. But, you know, you can get so much out of uh, just using the built-in software on a Mac uh, and create something very wonderful. Yeah, I, I, I'm, you know, that I miss. I mean, he, he showed me he did an album for for his daughter, and he does an album every year that, you know, every year for every year she's been around, so to speak. And it's just crazy that it's such, you know, it's a nice leather-bound book in full color. And he's like, yeah, I did all this on the Mac, and then I just ordered it. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And then, you know, I look at my Windows machine that I built, you know, from the ground up. And I, I have a lot of great programs in there, but that ease of use that comes included out of the box is just something that, that you can't grasp on, on a Windows machine yet, you know? Yeah. Oh, you know what? I was going to bring up to you about your Windows Home Server. I did look at that, and I did look at the uh, MediaSmart, the X490 and 495. But remember, they dropped support. Now they're going to come out with the, hopefully the new Windows Home Server 2011. But nobody knows if those Windows Home servers, those those Media Smart servers, I should say, from HP, are going to be supported. So you're kind of like stuck with an obsolete piece of hardware, even though Windows Home Server is very powerful. Windows Home Server and Xbox Media Center are the only two things. Well, but. Let's say I should say three things. Number one, Xbox 360 is the best thing Microsoft ever did. Yep. And uh, Windows Home Server, and I, I think a two-way tie for second place would be Windows Home Server and Xbox Media Center, which is basically Xbox Live anyway, in a way. So, yeah, other than that, I would never even set my hand on a Windows PC. Well, you know, it, it's funny because I've been – I, you know, I've been watching the Windows Home Server situation very closely. The Windows Home Server I bought was an, is actually an HP Media Smart. It was one of the first ones that they built. And there's actually a 64-bit version of uh, Windows Home Server coming out, which is Windows Home Server Veil. But what's been happening is I had a situation last week when we were supposed to do the interview where my computer uh, decided to give me a blue screen. And I had to actually re-image my hard drive from a Windows Home Server um, backup. And the funny thing is that Windows Home Server that I have is built on a 32-bit OS, and my computer is Windows 7 64-bit. Oh, it was it was hell to try and restore it just because finally somebody told me, oh, you have to get 32-bit drivers to restore it. So I was not happy, but Windows Home Server did did save my butt. So I, I do like it for that. I mean, I'm up to almost you know, six and a half terabytes on it, and it's been working well, but you know, the, the Drobo, my, my buddy has it, and he tells me the same thing. He's like, oh, man, you know, if you haven't gotten the Drobo, you'd be you'd be good to go. 
Yeah, I got two Drobos. I got a second gen, which they swapped out for me, and I have a Drobo FS, which is the network version, and that isn't even, I haven't even, I've only used four of the five drives up, and it's got about six terabytes. It's, it's got a RAID array right now, so right now, I'm looking at it right now, I have 289.26 gigs, because my, I haven't moved over all my video and audio yet, and I have 3.29 terabytes of free space. So, and that's without the fifth drive, and that's only with two ones and two ones and two twos, so six terabytes. But if I put all twos, or maybe when the threes are cheap enough, all threes in there, I have fifteen terabytes that, of data, and that's in one of the Drobos. Then the other one, I'm bringing this one in for local backup to the iMac and the, and the MacBook Pro on separate partitions. It, it you know, for people that are listening that are just like, oh, this is so over my head. Don't worry about it. You know, you'll get there someday. Store it, and two years from now, try to remember it because you'll say, oh, yeah, this is cool. That's You'll be having a 10-bay Drobo FST2S or whatever, and you'll be able to say, yeah, I overpaid for that too. Well, you know, it, the, the funny thing is I, to think back, especially growing up, how, you know, you'd think that at 20 gigs was a huge deal, and now we're sitting here where, you know, I have my, my media smart server and then, my I bought a uh, an e my fiance bought me an e serial ATA tower that can put more storage in there and drive extender pretty much creates a giant hard drive out of it and you're sitting there like yeah I got you know 20 gigs of you know 20 terabytes of space and, and people look at you like you're insane but what they don't realize is you know you have all the photos you've taken in the last 10 years or the last five years and you got you know all the video you've taken sometimes like I went through a huge process of taking all my DVDs and putting them on the server. It, it, people don't realize how storage now is a, is a, is a joke just because there's so, there's so much to go around and it's so cheap. Yeah, you know, you can get two terabytes for under 100 bucks now on a, on a drive. You can even get a one terabyte drive for your laptop for $120, $130. So, you know, I, I'm on my MacBook Pro. I have an SSD. I have two drives, an SSD. And I, I have about so what's called an Opti Bay where I have 500 gig drive that I'm going to upgrade to possibly a 750 gig drive and then put a bigger SSD in there. I might put an SSD in the iMac. It's 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 getting pretty crazy and it can get pretty expensive. So people may want to ignore the last five to seven minutes we've been talking about. We could talk about video games. They could probably uh, use the break from all this techies that we've been okay. speaking. Well, the one thing I wanted to ask you, and b- before we jump into the games, it's a, it's a good segue. The um, how do how do you feel about the SSD storage? Because I've always been I've always been leery because I've heard that the shelf life on it is a little suspect. Well, it depends on the brand. I I have an Intel, which Intel OWC, and from what I know, um, Crucial is pretty good too. OZ OCZ is having a little bit of trouble. I would go with an Intel, spend the extra money. That seems to be the most rock-solid one. The OWC brand is a little expensive. I will say this. You want to talk about, once you go to an SSD, you will not want to use a standard hard drive again. As far as um, operating system and applications, store your media on a regular drive. Store your video, your audio, your pictures. But when you're talking about starting up applications and accessing the stuff within the applications or just starting up your MacBook Pro, yeah, my MacBook Pro starts up in like 15 seconds. Wow. Photoshop doesn't bounce or get any kind of ball or anything. It instantly opens. It will bounce up once, and then Photoshop CS5 will open up. 
That is beautiful. <laughs> that's the that's what SSD is, the instant access to anything on the drive. Now, if you're trying to save something or write or do something, that can cause stress on the SSD. That's when you want to have a second spinning drive or a Drobo, an external drive or something uh, to, to save your data to because the read-write speeds, the, the, the read speeds on these SSDs are very fast. The writing speeds, which for people that don't know, that's when you save a file. It writes to the drive. Those are very slow compared to the read speeds. Jeez. Read opens up the apps. Write saves the apps. So that's the easiest analogy I could think of. Hey, that works. Yeah, but I was always hesitant when I built when I built this newest computer. People were like, "Oh yeah, you know, you should go to SSD." But I had heard exactly what you were saying. You know, just to, just writing to them and stuff like that. I mean, most of my stuff goes to the server, but even the applications and you know the occasional scans that you do save on your desktop. You know, you don't want to wear that down, especially with that type of an investment. So I was very leery just based on that. Yeah, it, but but people don't educate themselves to know well what's causing it, and I it's the it's what I said. So if you're just using OS and apps, you should be fine. And it supposedly has a shelf life of ten years, theoretically. Damn. <laughs> well, you're not gonna you're not even gonna own it that long. You're gonna try to sell it or trade it in or recycle it after a year or two or throw it in an old server. So it's not, you know what I mean? At that point, if it lasts you a year and a half. Anytime it it dies after that, it's it's you know bonus time to you. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Hell, I I may I may look into it now based on what you were saying for 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 using it as an OS drive, just because you know you can open the applications faster. I'll sell you mine cheap. I'm looking to upgrade to maybe a two fifty six. Hey, you never know. We might need to talk about that. Um, on on the video game side of things, the but I did want to ask you about the situation with uh MLB and you <laughs> and the perfect game because let me tell you I you know I get a lot of RSS feeds and I read a you know I I I have all the gaming RSS feeds in a folder and I'm looking and I'm like yeah you know it, it was and and it was the worst headline ever they're like yeah pro wrestler pitches perfect game and I'm like pro wrestler pitches what the hell are they talking about so I look and I see your name come up and I'm like well well holy shit <laughs> and um you know, they were like, yeah, but, you know, he didn't do it during the contest. And I wanted to ask you about that because I know you must have been steamed. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I really wasn't, Rich. I, 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 You know, I didn't even pay attention to the fact all I wanted to do was play the game. I covered it on my podcast. And I did a couple other interviews on there. And this is the thing about social media and on the Internet. I, I'm looking at some of the headlines. Pro Wrestler Pitches Perfect Game wins nothing. Like, like Stevie Richards takes to Twitter to try to get the million dollars. I, if you read my tweets, all I was excited about was pitching the perfect game. That's right. I said earlier, I recorded it, and it came in at the bottom of the eighth because the commentators – I don't, here's my method. Here's what I did. I skipped spring training. I wanted to start my franchise. Just like everybody does, they skip spring training. It's not worth anything. I started the season off. I'm a Phillies fan, so sorry. I know you're probably a Yankees fan. It's all right. Started the season off. Roy Holiday was the default pitcher of my lineup in the first game of the season against the Astros. I saw the game live. So on March 8th, I think, is when I did it. I was playing the game, playing the game. And then when it came down to, um, uh, I came down to like the sixth or seventh inning, one of the commentators said, hey, I don't want to say anything, but... 
I don't think anybody's gotten a hit yet. Like they were like starting to, you know, the jinx. They don't want to say it, but they're like starting to say, "Man, you know, I don't want to jinx this guy, but he might do something special here." <laughs> like not paying attention, not paying attention. So at the the top of the eighth, or right near the bottom of the eighth, and I always have the laptop by my my TV, and I use an HD PVR to record. So I already had it plugged in because I plan on doing a review anyway later that day. So right near the like during the eighth inning, they're like saying another guy's out. This guy might be pitching a perfect game, and I'm like, are you you know excuse my language? Are you fucking kidding me? Nice. Oh man, I I started up ITV three one, started recording, and that's when you saw it at the bottom of the eighth. I'm like, there's no way they're gonna get a cheap bun hit or something's gonna happen. You know they gotta have something built into the game. I said, well, Roy Holiday throws all sinkers, and that's what I was doing in the game, throwing mostly off-speed pitches and then tricking the guy a lot of times in the earlier innings with a fastball for the third strike. So I was really mixing up my pitches but throwing a lot of off-speed so his stamina wasn't really getting, you know, taxed towards the end. So, you know, the last inning, though, I was just like, I'm just throwing sinkers. I'm not going to give anybody any meat to hit the ball. And that's what I did. They kept biting on the drop. So pitched the perfect game. I was very excited. You know, put it out on Twitter like you saw, hopefully. And then somebody said, oh, 2K Sports got in touch with me and said, hey, uh, you know, follow us so we can DM you. And so as I was, you know, getting their DMing back and forth with me, people were saying, oh, my God, you want a million dollars. And I'm like, I didn't even pay attention to that. They were saying, did you pitch it on rookie? And I said, no, I got an achievement that said pitch a perfect game on pro or higher. I just did it on the default difficulty wow. on, on on my franchise, which is pro, I, I would assume, since I got that achievement. So the next thing they did was they DM me the link to the four pages of rules, which basically says you have to do everything, including probably cut your dick off while you're playing the game in the bottom of the sixth inning with two a uh, uh, count of two and two or something, it was that ridiculous to where they just had so many rules in place. And, you know, I was like, well, I, I don't care. I didn't know it started on opening day because it started last year on the day the game came, game came out. That's right. So I pitched to 2K Sports. I said, listen, you know, you guys are in spring training in Florida. I go, I, I just came off TV. I go, I think it would be a great idea for social media, for me to come down and it'd be great for my show too to have me take pictures with some baseball players playing 2K11 or if you want the fans to come down and play with a with a wrestler who's been on TV or whatever angle you want to use. Get some positive publicity out of this. Make it fun. They never answered me and they, like, like people were, you know, people had given them negative tweets and stuff and I, I told people on Twitter, don't do that and you know, they ended up, uh, I guess they just kind of like said, we're just removing ourselves from this situation. And I had never heard from them. That was it. Well, you know, that that's unfortunate because when I when I heard it, I said to myself, oh, man, you know, if he won the million dollars, I'm sure that's great. But I said to myself, this is way too easy for it to go this smoothly for him, which is what exactly what I said. And then, of course, I got all these articles come up and. I'm reading all these articles and all these fluff pieces, and I said to myself, you know, as accessible as you are on Twitter, it's like, why don't they just ask you? Because I'm sure you you could have cared less about the money had they given it to you, because you would have been like, hey, I was just playing the game for the hell of it, you know? Like, I didn't even think about this contest. 
Yeah, and the funny thing is they've patched the game twice since then to make it almost impossible because I almost pitched the perfect game like three days later. And I discovered the guy, you know, for them, for every batter in the seventh inning to try to bunt when they're down by four runs, that's not realistic, right? They're just trying to take away the perfect game after you get past a certain inning. And, uh, you know, my friends who play the game still call it the Michael Manna patch because they they try to pitch the perfect game. And they know exactly when the, you know, if you know baseball, you know Certain times you're not going to bunt nope. just to get on base when there's two outs and you're down by four runs. You're not going to do that. Absolutely no. not. That so. it was funny when when I saw it and it, you know when the kid won it last year. This boy won. This young man won it last year. I said to myself, I'm like this kid won it, and they probably thought it was impossible to do, and they're going to make it extra hard for the people the following year. And you went and did it, and I was like, oh, guess not. Well, you know, he, the funny thing about that is the really funny thing about why they did the million dollars, and they don't admit to this, but MLB, the show for PS3, with all the, the, the negativity that people have out about the PS network, the PlayStation network and everything, there's no better sports franchise than MLB, the show. And they needed to have this million-dollar perfect game so people would buy 2K11 because, let's face it, 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 it's buggy, it lags, it freezes up. You can't get on the servers half the time, and that's why I took that picture of me with the uh, the, the broken disc on the floor. Yep. I, you know, it was already scratched. Something happened where the 360 scratched it, so I couldn't bring it back to GameStop. They weren't going to give me anything for it, so I just figured it would be fun. to. And everybody thought it was because of the perfect game, and I was like, no. Okay. It's just it, I'd love to get online and play the goddamn thing. It had nothing to do with that. <laughs> Well, that's it's funny because as you know, I I've owned you know I own all well I owned all three consoles. I got rid of the Wii because it was collecting dust, and I got tired of first party releases coming out once a year. So you know I under I understand your pain of of having uh, a console where you want to get on and play a certain game and you can't. And that that was one of the things that a lot of people. I had a buddy of mine, he huge MLB fan, and you know he picked up. He picked up the game, and he's. I said to him, I'm like, are you going to try and pitch the perfect game? He's like, pitch the perfect game. I just want to be able to get online and play it. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's the same problem I had then. It would always say the match is no longer available, or it would give you all these errors, and it was really frustrating. Well, one thing I wanted to ask after after that, are you only playing exclusively on the 360, or, or do you have a PS3 also? Or I traded my PS3, and after all the first round of the debacle with the PlayStation Network, I... Uh, the only thing I ever used my PS3 for was MLB The Show, and I wanted to play an online league, uh, so that was kind of out of the question. And I also have Blu-rays, but all those, I have MKV files I use with Air Video, so I literally have 1080p files that I'm airplaying to my Apple TV, to my, to my big screen TV, so I don't need the PS3 anymore. Wow. You know, I I've been you know I had the PS3 and I'll tell you it, it was collecting dust for a while just because from the online uh, side of things I was picking up a lot of stuff on the 360 and then I started using the PS3 more for Blu-ray and for a lot of fighting games I like playing a lot of fighting games and now the PS3's kind of catching up you know I got you know I've been playing Uncharted I played I finished Uncharted two and I started playing Dante's Inferno recently so you know the PS3 is getting a lot of love but. But the Wii had to go because I, I I wasn't playing it, man. It was it was just there. Yeah, I, I got rid of mine too, and I, I even I don't even want to get a Connect system. You know, there's no support for it, and the, 
the Wii is just whatever it is. They're going to come out with it. Supposedly one that's going to blow all the systems out of the water uh, in June at E3. Uh, so hopefully that will be. But I, I'm not too keen on investing in any system. I'm going to stay with the Xbox 360 ecosystem right now, and and I'll be satisfied with that for the time being. Have you have you only been using the 360 just to go online, or have you started using some of those other components like you know the Netflix streaming or Hulu or any of that, or are you only using all that on the Mac and just playing games on the 360? Oh, I was always using uh, Netflix and stuff. Now I have the Apple TV right next to it. I use the Apple TV for Netflix. Uh, but before that, I I was using the 360 for Netflix. For I uh, tried out the Zoom Pass. Uh, I never really got into Hulu Plus because I, I don't believe in paying for something that has half the content and twice the ads as as the website version. I, I agree. That was the funny thing when they said, oh, yeah, Hulu Plus is coming out for Xbox 360. The first question I said is it shouldn't have commercials, right? And then a buddy of mine got it because he had the free trial. He goes, dude, they're commercials. And I, I said, why am I paying for that? Yeah, I call it Hulu Minus, not Hulu Plus because you're getting – no Star Trek movies, which are up here. I'm looking at the site right now. I can find them. Hey, there's nothing up there. Why would you buy it except for a portable version of it? But that's what Netflix takes care of. 15, 16,000 titles, and then the PBS app will give you videos. There's also uh, Crackle from Sony, but watch that because they track your location. Oh, that's not exciting. <laughs> they share your information. And, uh, hey, actually, there's other... Um, I don't know if it's CBS or there's one of the networks that have an app where you can watch it on the iPad. So why not? Yeah, I've been using HBO Go on the iPad, and it is amazing. Well, what do you need Hulu for then? I had wanted to ask you, on your on your Apple TV, are you running a, a straight Apple TV, or did you bother to jailbreak and do any of that? Or are you just running a straight? I've, I'm not in the jailbreaking thing anymore. I don't think uh, – I jailbroke my iPhone 4, my iPhone 3GS. My iPhone 4 more so is going to FaceTime over 3G. But, you know, I just find that jailbreaking on an iPhone doesn't really exactly work out. It gives me everything I really need. Uh, rooting an Android phone, on the other hand, I, I feel like that's a fun experience. Uh, and even though I'm running stock Google here on the uh, the Nexus 4G, and I really can't do anything to it because it's a review device, but if it was mine – I would probably, uh, I'd probably get something like an Evo uh, or something like that, and then root it and put stock Android on it and make it run faster. Uh, but I'm really enjoying actually, you know, what you can do with Android. I think there's a there's a few advantages if you like to tinker around with stuff. You might like Android better than iOS. Yeah, I rooted, I rooted my my old uh, Samsung Galaxy, and it was really nice. And I'm actually looking at possibly getting a you know the logitech review box for google tv i don't get it no? no don't get it i had it i had it they all the networks are blocked oh man the network's blocked everything you may get android 3.1 which means you'll be able to text from there and do that kind of stuff and everything but why do it from your tv when you have your phone right next to you no there's Every network has blocked the Google TV. I took it back on 29 days after I got it. I thought I thought I was going to cut my cable. Holy crap! Now, but now the Apple TV might be that machine, that box, because they're supposed to possibly get NFL Sunday Ticket or NFL Red Zone on the Apple TV through DirecTV by the end of the year. Oh, so if you get that, it might it might be lights out for the cable, huh? 
ah, maybe the, you know, you know how it is. The, the women like their Dateline ID and all that stuff, their Discovery Channel, or their the voice and all that stuff. I, can, I don't know if I can cut the cable. Somebody else might get mad. Ah, there you go. I um I switched the files here in New York and um I have that's what I have, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 you know it's great because you can you know set your DVR on your phone and you know it has a lot of really great stuff from switching to Time Warner. Like I said, I was gonna get the Google TV to to enhance the experience, but if it's not gonna give me that, I you know I I may actually look into an Apple TV or or a Boxy, which I had looked at when I did uh I went to an Engadget event. The Boxy setup is really nice too. I. Uh, Boxy doesn't have the support, and I don't know if they're going to keep the support of all the networks and all the content they have. You can be assured that Apple will definitely have their, you know, agreements in place, and the con- the networks and all these content providers will not want to piss off Steve Jobs and Apple. Think about it that way. Think about it more in the terms of Boxy. They can turn around and say, "Well, we're blocking everything," but they did it to Google. That's right. And so. So, you know, Apple's somebody I don't think they're going to mess with, though. So if you buy an Apple TV, I think you'll be okay. I wanted to ask, what do you what do you think with regards to, to Steve Jobs and the, you know, the event they got coming up in June? Do you think the event in June is just going to be more so for OSX Lion? Or is it just going to be probably uh, a little bit of a, of a foundation for the for the big iPhone launch in September? I would say that they're definitely going to do line. They might debut the new MacBook Air with Sandy Bridge and Thunderbolt. Uh, The iPhone 5, if they announce it or they talk about it now, there may be, you know, nobody, they don't want to, they don't want to mess up the timing and say, okay, you're going to get this in September because people do not want to wait that long. And, you know, they might go to an Android phone in that in that time span. I think they may release iOS 5 for current iPhone 4 owners because then at least you, you have sort of a brand new phone to get you through till September when iOS, uh, when iPhone 5 comes out. That's my guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it, they go that route and they kind of put put a hold on it. Because, like I said, if it comes out on, on T-Mobile, like they're saying with the multiple bands, I I do want to make the switch back to iOS only because you know I miss I miss that aspect of of the iPhone you know just the the having that accessibility not that Android doesn't have it but just like you were saying it becomes um, a very expensive hobby to buy a new phone every couple of months. Yeah, I I would definitely I I'm so happy I get review devices I'll get the Evo 3D hopefully when it comes out from Sprint. And uh, hopefully have other devices uh, through an association with Best Buy. So, yeah, I don't, I, you know, if I can get away with not even buying, paying for the iPhone 4, I would. But that's how good it is. I, I don't mind paying for it and using it as a convergence device. So, yeah, stick with iOS for now until Android really gets their their stuff together and converges their operating systems between their tablets and their phones. I would I would um, hold off just for now. I was I was going to ask you how how do you feel about the the Android tablets, have you had a chance to get some hands-on time with them yet? or? Yeah, I had the tab. I, I worked with the Zoom a little bit. I just were, messed around with the HTC Flyer, and nothing beats the iPad 2. Nothing beats the iPad 1. Yeah, that's what I have. The iPad 1. I don't think that, that they, I think that's a great device to still have, and if you can pick that up for a couple hundred bucks and uh, you don't need a camera, then do that. I just got the iPad 2 just because... Uh, it makes video reviews a lot easier with the HDMI mirroring. 
so I can do app reviews on my TV or my monitor without having to hold the iPad and move it around and make people sick. Uh, you know, but now I have two iPads. So, uh, and I use an app called Air Display on my iMac and I have a cinema display and then I use both my iPads as, as other displays to put Facebook, Twitter and little windows like that on there. So I, I got four displays. I was, I was actually looking into that and I hadn't heard of anybody using it. So that I'm glad, I'm glad it works. I may, I may look into it only because I use, um, Windows OneNote for my show notes. So if I could put my show notes on my iPad, that would be good because the iPad now I use it as a mixer um, to drop sound clips into the show. You know, I plug it into my my standalone mixer and there's actually an app where you almost have a thumb pad and you can put different sound effects and stuff for audio drops, which is what I've been using it for. Yeah, I did the same thing where I played Google Voice calls and I would I would do the sounds uh, just that way you didn't hear the click of the mouse on the computer. Uh, but yeah, Air Display is the name of the app for the iPad, and you can use it for your iPhone. It's a universal application, and it does work with Windows and Mac. So yeah, highly recommend Air Display. That's that man. That's see now now I'm learning a whole bunch of stuff. I have a notepad now full of uh, Korg. Heil PR40 air display. I got a whole bunch of notes now. Oh, it's going to cost you some money, so just take it one one step at a time. Don't don't go broke because of me. No, it's it's, it's all right. You know, we'll we'll get there. One thing I had um, you know, the the last thing I wanted to ask you with with T4, where where do you want to take T4 right now? Do you want to go television? Do you want to kind of keep it in 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 the environment you have because of the creative freedoms that it allows you? Like, where do you want to see T4 going within the next, I don't know, say the next two years? Well, uh, we've been in uh, talks off and on uh, with, you know, more so me, uh, talking to uh, G4 TV and also Sci-Fi about, you know, possibly pitching T4 show as a web series. And especially G4, they've been in, in a lot of trouble lately with getting good content. All they got on there right now is cops and a couple other things like Attack of the Show. But uh, Coleman, I I think would make a great addition to that, and if we don't, that's fine. I, I'd like to see T4, whether it's T4 show or not. I'd like to see Coleman, I, uh, you know, have a partnership doing something on a, a CNET type thing or something like Leo does, or even expanding the T4 show network to to doing other things. It's it's hard. It's hard to to see where things are going to go, and you know what? If if this net neutrality stuff really shakes out in a bad way, we both, all of us, all the content providers could be out of business because then we would have to pay for licensing and pay for all sorts of other stuff. So let's just hope that things at least stay the same so we can grow in a, in a free manner. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, G, I wrote an article, I'd say, three months ago on G4 because, you know, we, we cover video games and for some reason I have a very huge video game audience and they they give me a lot of flack for you know covering mixed martial arts and wrestling and and movies like they just want to hear all about the game stuff and when I, I wrote an article about G4 because as as a fan of as a gamer and as a tech enthusiast you would think that a network that prides itself on that would go out of their way to put that at the forefront instead like you were saying it's cops you know it's three I I actually took a screen cap of their cable of the cable guide with their programming for the next twelve hours and it was repeats repeats cops dating show original programming predator then they give predator two more times in a 12-hour span and i was i i had to i had to give them the business 
Yeah, it's it's disappointing that that's that's what's called jumping the shark. That's what's called the getting away. That's something like you're talking about with earlier in the show about the fitness stuff. I was scared, you know, of, of well, I don't want to I don't want to go away from the tech roots or anything like that. But I just found that there was a place for it, and it seems to fit in pretty well for now. So until that point, we'll 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 keep it the way it is. Yeah, I, I hope uh, one of these things shake out. I hope something happens. Uh, but like I said before, if it's just a couple guys getting together talking about the stuff we use every week or putting up tutorial videos and teaching somebody like you or anybody else about the tech I use, then I'm perfectly fine with that. Oh, you, I, like I said, I, I, I sincerely hope it, it works out for you. I think that, you know, it's funny because it's with your fitness, with, with your fitness tutorials, usually – if if I'm curious about something, I, I end up going to bodybuilding.com because, you know, they have all their fitness tutorials there. Yeah, I do, too. Yeah, so, you know, I, I spend a lot of time there, but like the, your presentation, like I said, is more natural, which I like. And you, you, you have the tech savvy behind it to make it appear better. Like, bodybuilding.com stuff is good, but you know that they just got to crank it out there. And, you know, they, they, it's more for a, from a content standpoint versus you actually are – trying to invest the time to, you know, pass on some knowledge. Yeah, don't don't forget either, and we're not going to get into that discussion. Don't forget either that Bodybuilding.com recommended Superdraw at one time, and look what happened to, you know, some of my good friends got really sick off that stuff. So don't believe everything you read on the Internet either. <laughs> no, I mean, that it's funny because I remember I went on there early on when I was, when I was um, you know, trying to do a lot more dieting. And they were like, yeah, just get yourself some, some, some clenbuterol. And I'm like, why would I do that? <laughs> yeah, of course, because you have, you know, obviously you have a problem with your lungs and you need clenbuterol. Exactly. I was like, I was like, absolutely not. So, yeah, I go in there mostly for some of the instructional stuff. I actually end up going more to T Nation and stuff like that. So, you know, like I said, seeing, seeing your fitness videos is good because there's no, there's no fluff to it. There's no, you know, guy who, who's paid to do this. It's, it's a regular guy who invests his time in the gym, which is great. You know, there's an honesty to that that more people are going to gravitate towards, and I definitely hope more people tune into that because they can learn a lot. Oh, thank you. I hope so. Um, I think I've covered everything. I think we're good. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Now, I appreciate you having me on the show. I definitely had a good time talking about all this stuff, and uh, just want to let everybody know out there, just, you know, whatever you do, like I said before, if you have a creative outlet and you want to take it out there, into the to the realm where we took our shows, just do it. I, you know, it's not going to be perfect at first. As a matter of fact, it could be downright horrible, like mine was. But it it gets better. You know, practice makes perfect, and just have fun doing it. You know, there's nothing technology and fitness, for that matter, is uh, nothing to be afraid of. Well, I, before before we wrap it up, um, you know, just what social media outlets can people reach you at besides t4show.com? Oh, you. You can basically find me through t4show.com. Uh, also has links to Twitter, which is at Michael Manning. You can go to the bottom right-hand corner and has my Twitter feed, Colm's Twitter feed, which is at Culmination. Also, you can click on the YouTube videos or the link at the top of the page. Uh, there's an icon for YouTube. But you can also search t4show, two words, or look up t4show videos. That's our channel. Also on Facebook, uh, we do have the t4show fan page just like us through t4show.com and pretty much t4show.com is the is the portal to just about everything uh that you want to do we tried to center everything there so people didn't have to search 
yeah, I saw I saw that you guys actually integrated some forums in there. I know you guys are are trying to get the the forums up and running. I um I know how hard that is. So yeah, we just wanted to offer that. Like I said, you know, and that's something too. Like, hey, it could it could be a complete failure. It can be, you know, we got we got a few posts here, uh, you know, and I like that. That's good. Uh, it's hard. Yeah, forums are really really hard. We're we're thinking about instituting also a Facebook like. Uh, button for the for the article, so people don't have to write comments, and they can save their comments for the forum. But it's a, it just like anything else, it's a work in progress. But yeah, thanks for remembering that. I completely forgot. Yeah, I was I was gonna tell you with the with the comments, you might want to look at uh the discuss comment system, because you can actually tie that into Facebook. Isn't it discus or? Yeah, they call it they call it discuss or discus. Either that one or um live fire is also very good. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the uh, – I, I know what you're talking about. I'm looking at it right now from WordPress. I'm going to talk to our web guy, S.A. I'm going to email it to him right now. Thank you. See what, see what I mean? I learned something too. Yeah, I, I use WordPress, so I know how hard it is. I've been actually contemplating uh, building the site on Squarespace only because, you know, my, my, my web – my web design skills aren't that aren't that good, and you know it starts becoming huge in terms of overhead when you're not when you know in terms of just taking that revenue stream and having to pay a designer, you know. Yeah, Squarespace is good, but try to try to you probably could do better WordPress than you even know. So just play around and get a good theme like we have, and uh, you'll you'll be fine. Try to go that route. You'll have more customization options uh, than Squarespace. All right, I'll I'll, st- I'll stick with the WordPress. I appreciate that. Just for now, you might end up in it anyway, but don't. I don't want to see you switching hosts and all this stuff and saying, "Oh, I could have done this on my own." Yeah, right now I've been using um, I've been using HostGator and WordPress, and I got a really good theme from this company called Elegant Themes, which is which is really nice. I mean, you can you can check it out. I think um, my URL is in my signature in my email, so you can have a look. I definitely like love your input if you get to check out the show sometime. Yeah, no problem. I definitely will. Thanks a lot, man. I, I appreciate you taking the time to speak to me. Oh, no problem.